Let me do a quick survey. Can we put one more set of lights on? There we go. If, how many of you exchange, this is for the kids mostly, how many of you exchange presents tonight after this is over? Not too many. Last, last time we had a lot. How many of you wait till tomorrow morning to exchange presents? Okay. How, how many of you already exchanged a present somewhere around 4th of July or something? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's lopsided this service. Last service is, is pretty, pretty even. Well, you know, tonight we want to look at, obviously, the, the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and what's rather amazing when you think about it is that we're celebrating the birth of a child that was born 2,000 years ago. And even more amazing is when we realize that in the history of the world, there have been, I, I read, there have been about 100,000 births. 100, I mean, 100 billion births, rather. 100 billion babies that were born. But yet here we are celebrating this, this one birth from two millenniums ago. And now, granted, I mean, for parents, how, how many of you are parents? How many of you uh, are over children? So that covers most everybody. Okay, for, for parents, every birth is, is exciting. Every birth is, is just spectacular. There's, every birth is worth celebrating. But, you know, when I think back to the birth of, of my children, I have three kids. Our, our oldest uh, child is, is my daughter, Chelsea, and she's, she was about 40 years ago, but I can still think back to her birth and remember a certain amount of, of that sheer excitement and joy as we were preparing for her birth, remembering the sheer terror as she was being born. Uh, you know, I, 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 back in, in, in those days, we, we took Lamaze classes. Do you still have Lamaze, you know, classes where they teach the wife and the husband how to breathe so you don't just scream your guts out, you know, during the, during the delivery. And they prepared both the, the, the father and the mother for the delivery. They prepared us. They taught us breathing techniques I didn't understand at all why I had to learn the breathing techniques. I was just going to be there as a spectator and say, you know, that away, sweetheart, keep it up, you know. And they had prepared us and they told us that their word is there will be some discomfort during the labor and delivery. So I, I was ready. I can handle, you know, uh, watching Penny have some discomfort. I had no, no idea what they were talking about. I mean, they just lied, you know, and I... I <laughs> I, I remember, you know, I mean, that, there wasn't discomfort. It was sheer pain. It was, and I'm talking about for the husband, you know. I, I remember during one particular hard part of the delivery when, there, you know, the, 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 the discomfort was at a peak. Penny looked me in the eye, reached out, and grabbed me by my chest hair <laughs> right through the shirt. And I remember immediately I understood why they taught the husbands how to breathe. You know, she grabs me, and I'm sitting trying to just trying to manage. My, the tears are just rolling down my cheeks. The nurses are thinking, oh, isn't that sweet? How the husband is identifying with his wife, and he's right there. Well, I was just in so much pain, I could hardly contain it. 
But the, the delivery, the delivery was, it was an exciting time. But what I realized as I was thinking about this message tonight is if it wasn't for preparing a message about the birth of Christ, I don't think a lot about Chelsea's delivery or any of our kids' delivery. What my mind goes to when I think about Chelsea or Christopher or JT is their life, what occurred after the delivery. The delivery was special. The birth was special. I remember specifics. But what was special and what is special is what came after that delivery. Remembering Chelsea and her life and JT and Christopher. What makes Jesus' birth so amazing, so noteworthy, so significant, is not simply that he was no ordinary child, but that he was a child, according to what the Bible says, that he was a child that was given not just to Joseph and Mary that night, but he was a child given to us. In Isaiah chapter 9, in the Old Testament it says, For unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. When, when Jesus was born, he was born for us. He was given to us. In the heart of God, it wasn't just, this is going to bless Mary. This is going to be a blessing to Joseph. They're going to have a wonderful time with this child. What a gift to this family. But in the heart of God, 2,000 years ago, and in the heart of God today, Jesus was given for us. He was given to us. And there was the intention of God that we would understand that that birth initiated a life, an opportunity to come to know him. But more than just coming to know him, certainly more than thinking back 2,000 years at his birth, it's a reminder that we celebrate tonight that God drew near so that we can be fully known and understand in ever-increasing ways how that can make a difference that we are fully known by God. It's the birth of Christ where we see and that we are able to celebrate God stepping off his throne and coming to earth. God drawing near his plans, his purposes for us, slicing into this earth. So, yeah, the events of Jesus' birth were amazing. I mean, there were some 300 prophecies about the birth of, of Jesus and about his life and all the events leading up and that would come after his birth, all fulfilled. There were angels by the, probably the tens, the hundreds of thousands that would come and that night of Jesus' birth that appeared to the shepherds. Angels came and prepared Joseph and came to prepare Mary 
Mary was a, a, a virgin. The events of Jesus' birth were amazing. But I want us to think about something tonight that goes beyond his birth, that goes to the purpose for which he was born. The recognizing that the birth was not the point, but the point of Jesus' birth was the life that came after, the very reality of God who is drawn near, a God who is fully available, and a God who is fully know knowable. When I think about Chelsea and her birth, I, I remember specifics. I, I remember she weighed six pounds, 10 ounces. She was 18 inches long. I remember uh, she had the cutest little outfit. I, I remember certain details. But if someone said, Danny, tell me about Chelsea, I wouldn't say, oh, you would have loved what we put on her after she was born. When someone says, well, tell me about your daughter, I don't say, six pounds, 10 ounces. She was a little one. No, I, I begin to tell them about Chelsea, about, about her life. I, I tell about those, those times that we've spent together. I talk to, if someone wants to know about Chelsea, I, it's not just the birth. It's, I talk about those times where we laugh together. I talk about the times that we, we've cried together. I talk about family vacations together. I talk about a number of years ago, I took Chelsea over, saved up. We, we went over to England. She always wanted to go to England. We went over to England. We thought it was going to be like a five-day, you know, come in and see some of the sites. And while we were there, that... that volcano in Iceland erupted. So what was supposed to be a short five-day stay turned into about a two-week two stay because there are no flights out of, out of uh, England. Uh, Chelsea and I loved it. My wallet didn't, didn't particularly like it. But it was those are the things that I think about. I think about our times together, our, our life together, what was shared together. I think about the experiences. I think about seeing her and knowing her as a, as a mother and as a, as, as a wife. So her birth was wonderful, but it's the life that gives meaning because it's, it's her life and the relationship that that I cherish. And all that is true as we think about Jesus. Celebrating his birth is, is wonderful. It makes sense. But it's the relationship that is now available because God stepped off his throne and became an infant, a baby, and a manger, and then grew up before us and is now available to us to be known by us so that we can have a relationship with him. That's what's relevant. You know, it, it, it's just, it, it's odd as I was thinking about this. You know, we, many of us probably, are, our homes during the season are set up in a special way. We have nativities out perhaps. You probably have a, a tree somewhere. You know, we, we listen to Christmas carols. We send Christmas cards to, to point to the birth of Jesus. There are special colors at this time. We, we, we even go to church in the middle of the week. What's that all about? 
but we're celebrating his birth, and, and that's fine. But what may be odd to God and to the angels looking on is in a couple of weeks, we put the nativities away, we take the tree down, and when we, you know, the, the music goes away, and, and the special celebrations about his birth go away, and life goes back to normal. And I'm, I, I think Jesus is up there saying, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait a second. Now the good part starts. Now we, we can continue as you've celebrated that I came. Now let's learn how to walk and celebrate that we have a life together. That you can know me and see me and enjoy me and listen to me. That was the beginning. The birth of Christ only takes on relevance if it's followed by relationship, a relationship that continues, a relationship that grows, a relationship that's never necessarily stagnant, but is always growing in, in dimension. I mean, the, the reality is, is the, the message of Jesus, the, the core of his message could be summed up in one word. What he said with both his words and his life essentially was, come, come, come close. There was a time when, when small children, you know, wanted to get close to Jesus. And some of the, the disciples said, oh, leave him alone. He's a busy man. And Jesus said, no, let, let the children come. Come on close. Know me. Know my love. The richest of the day. He said, come close. Nicodemus, the poorest of the day. They came close to Jesus. Men and women, his message was, come, draw near. Government officials like Matthew. And anarchists like Simon the Zealot. To each of them, he said, come, walk with me. Criminals and prison guards, soldiers and pacifists. He said, come. Immigrants, he said, come. Patriots, he said, come. That was his consistent message. The highly educated, like, like Paul, he said, come, walk with me. And, and the not so educated, like Peter, same message. Come and draw near. Extroverts, introverts, to those who were seeking him, he said, come close. To those who were doing their best, trying to avoid him, coming for you too, draw near. To those who couldn't care less about him, he said, come. Because he stepped off the throne. He was born in a manger not so we have something to celebrate in December, but so that we can be a people who come to experience relationship with our God. His one message was come. His life was an invitation, and he's still inviting today. 45 years ago, I was 
a, a freshman in, in college just up here in Ashland. I was from New York City, and I didn't know up from down. I was just a arrogant, naive, lost individual. Now, I'm older. <laughs> but the, Jesus, for some reason, saw this kid who didn't know what life was about, didn't know where he was headed, certainly didn't know how to get to where he was headed, because he had no idea where that was. I mean, my ambition, I, I, I went to Ashland College as a freshman, and I, as a freshman, I said, no, nah, this isn't going to work for me. So my my plan for my life, no, no lie, my plan for my life was I was going to quit school and buy an Amish buggy and go cross country. Now, how's that for a plan? I you know, sounds reasonable to me. I never had a horse, but I mean, how hard could it be, you know? Just get a horse, you know. I, I watch westerns and go cross country. But that's, that's where I was at. But for some reason, God saw this, this kid. For some reason, God says, he really, really needs to come to know me. And through a series of, of situations, none of which had anything to do with me seeking him, me looking for him. I mean, at that time, quite frankly, I was, I was a, an agnostic at, at best. More likely, I would have classified myself as an atheist. I had no use for God. No belief in God except for when I was taking tests or lost my wallet, then I'd shoot a quick prayer up just in case. But God saw me, and he had mercy on me, and he revealed himself to me, and he planted himself right in front of me, and he said, come. And for the last 44, 45 years, I'm in process of coming, trying to listen trying to follow, trying to walk with him. And, and here we are tonight, each one of us having that continual, perpetual invitation where God says, won't you come close? And I'm not just talking about some initial moment. I'm not just talking about, won't you pray a prayer? I'm talking about that continual invitation of Jesus saying, come and draw near. Oh, you, you've come close. You can draw closer, nearer, closer, nearer, closer. That every day we have this opportunity to come to know him better and to be known by him. So we, we, we celebrate Christmas, but I'm concerned that sometimes when all the Christmas items are put away, then we go back to normal. And normal is we live our life, we tip our hat to them yeah, a couple, three times a month, maybe. We, we, you know, we pray maybe a prayer if we remember over our meals. But the very reason why Christ came, the very reason we get to celebrate tonight that he was born in a manger, the fact that he has said, 
I'm coming to you, and now I invite you to come close to me, we forget about it. And as I said, that invitation is not just for those who, who've never prayed a prayer. That invitation is a daily invitation that we get to respond to. So what would cause somebody to, to not respond to his invitation into, into relationship? What would cause somebody to say no thanks or not now to that invitation to come and, and know him? Well, for many, what, what was true for me as a, as a, a young man is I, I thought I, I didn't need him. If there was a God, I didn't think there was, I, I had no need for him. I'm an American. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I can take care of my life. I could make sense of my life. I could have purpose in my life. I could, I could make it happen. So many people just say, no thanks, not now, because they think that they have no need for what God has to offer. No need for for forgiveness of sins, because after all, what is sin? I mean, how are we going to define that? And, and if, if I do sin, I can, I can stop. If I want to, I, I, I have no problem stopping if the time is right. I can, I can fix my life up. That's where I was at. You know, some people say no because, and I think this is the majority of people that I talk to, they say no to that invitation into relationship because somewhere along the line, they've been hurt by someone who was a follower or said they were a follower of Jesus. They were offended by the church or by Christians in very real ways. They, they, it just, it's just something they don't want to be identified with. I get that. You know, your, your Aunt Louise, I mean, she's the Christian of the family, and, and she's just weird. Everyone talks about Aunt Louise, how weird she is. And she, she goes to church, and I, I don't want to be linked with her. Or, or here's this member of my family that was just so cruel to me, so hurtful to me, did things to me, said things to me, and they went to church regularly. I, I don't want anything that even resembles their life. So I say no. And the sad thing is that sometimes these people who truly did wrong us, offend us, who are, who are just strange, odd, and weird folks that we, we don't want to identify with because they were harmful. We still give them power in our lives in pushing away from God simply because, at least outwardly, they seem to say they were embracing God. And to me, that makes no sense at all, that I'd continue to give those people who've offended me or hurt me power to control my life. But yet, lots of us, lots of us push away from God, say no to his invitation for that reason precisely. 
We say no to the invitation into relationship because, well, I don't want to become a Republican. But, but Jesus wasn't and wouldn't be a Republican or a Democrat or any other, identify with any other earthly party. It's his party. It's his party. And no one has a corner on his heart or his purposes here on earth. There are those who, who say no to that invitation into relationship. We're okay with, with you know, putting a manger up and celebrating and singing some songs on, on Christmas Eve, but we say no to ongoing relationship because we feel, we feel some guilt, we feel some shame about how we're living our lives. And, and because we feel guilt and shame, we, we want to keep God at arm's length because it's just... It, it's too vulnerable to, to think of drawing near when we, when we see the brokenness in our own lives. And we fail to remember that he came so that we could draw close, so that, that the brokenness in our lives, the sin in our lives, those things that we feel shame or guilt about, he came, he was born, and eventually died on the cross so that we have access into relationship. I, I love this quote. This is probably my favorite quote outside of, apart from the scriptures. This is said by Brother Lawrence. Some of you have heard me say this, share this quote before. You're going to hear it again tonight. Brother Lawrence, a monk, a few hundred years back, he said this thinking about how he views his life with God. He says, I consider myself the most wretched of men, full of sores and corruption, and who has committed all sorts of crimes against his king. And, and touched with a, a sensible regret, I confess to him all my wickedness. I abandon myself in his hands, that he may do what he pleases with me. And this king full of mercy and goodness, very far from, from chastising me, he embraces me with his love. He makes me eat at his table. He serves me with his own hands. He gives me the key of his, to his treasures. He converses and delights himself with me incessantly. And in a thousand ways, he treats me in all respects as his favorite. That's the one who's invited us to come close. And we say, oh, I, I, I feel ashamed. I, I'm so broken. And, and he doesn't say, oh, no, you're not. He says, well, yeah. You know, some people say, oh, I, I couldn't come close to God because I've blown it so much. And I would say, oh, you've blown it far more than you think. But Jesus sees that. He loves you, and he came to you to invite you into relationship. He says, you're just who I'm looking for. You are who I came for. Come close. And there may be some here tonight who say, well, no one told me that he was saying come. 
No one told me that he had this invitation for me. He never said to me, come. Well, maybe that's why you're here tonight. That I can let you know he most certainly has. He even wrote a book about it where he continually says, come. Come. Draw near. Be known. And come to know me. And coming full circle, that's why we celebrate tonight. Not just because there was a baby born 2,000 years ago, but that baby came for a purpose and with a message. The purpose was to provide a path for us to draw near, and the message was come close. So as we finish up tonight, I would assume that in a, in a group this size, there, there are those who, who maybe at one point in the past opened their lives up to God and said, Jesus, I want you to be a, a part of my life, but somehow your life has gotten real busy and distracting, and there have been events and situations that have, have caused there to be some drift, great drift or little drift, but you have drifted from taking advantage of that that intimacy, that connection to God. And I'd be amiss if we dismissed y'all tonight and, and didn't acknowledge and give opportunity to just simply in your heart to say, I, I, I want to come close again and continue to draw near. And, and there may be some folks here tonight who never initially even knew there was an invitation, and I certainly would be amiss if I didn't give you opportunity to say, I never heard this, and I, I do want relationship. Or maybe I'm, I'm ready for that relationship. So here's how I want to end. I'm going to just simply pray a, a very simple prayer out loud. And I'm going to invite you, if you find yourself separated, distant, far from God, or maybe you've never surrendered your life to God initially, I'm going to encourage you, as I pray out loud, just to pray silently in your heart just so God hears and you know I said yes to that invitation. So why don't we go ahead and have the, the worship team prepare to come up, but why doesn't everybody close your eyes and just bow your heads. This is between you and Jesus. And if, if this is something you'd like to do, just pray something like this. Jesus, tonight I say yes to your invitation. Come and take hold of my life. I don't know all that means. But tonight I want to follow you. Not just for this day or this weekend. But I want to have a relationship with you that continually grows. If this is why you came, Jesus, that I can know you and be known by you, tonight I say yes to that invitation. I receive that gift of forgiveness, that gift of love, and I pray that you allow it to grow more and more each day. 
Would you continue to keep your eyes shut and your heads bowed? And let me just ask you, if you did pray that prayer tonight, just acknowledge that to Jesus, and I'm going to ask you to acknowledge that just to me, just while everyone's eyes are closed. Just acknowledge it by raising your hand, just real quick. God bless you. Who else? Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? Good. Good. You can put your hands down. Okay, why don't we do this? We're going to finish up tonight celebrating the birth and the life and the invitation of God who sent his son to each one of us by singing one final song. So when we stand up and let's conclude tonight with a final song to Christ. <clears throat>